Welcome to the Alger Podcast. Following the podcast, there will be a brief disclosure. Hello, I'm Alex Bernstein, and you're listening to the Alger Podcast, investing in growth and change. As the economy reopens, investors have seen a flurry of headlines regarding SPACs, or special purpose acquisition companies. These are exchange-listed companies with the sole purpose of acquiring a private company to bring it public without going through the more traditional IPO process. But for investors, understanding the positives and negatives of SPACs can be daunting. Here to shed a little light on the subject is Weatherby Chief Investment Officer and Senior Portfolio Manager, George Day. George, thanks so much for talking with me this afternoon. Thanks, Alex. George, just to start off, what exactly is a SPAC? So it stands for Special Purpose Acquisition Company. Uh, which is a publicly traded company that holds nothing but cash. And in history, they're also called the blank check companies. So after they go public, they look for private companies to merge with and bring the private companies to the public market, bypassing the traditional IPO process. And besides being in the news, SPACs have had quite a high volume of activity this year. Is that correct? So traditionally, SPACs have been a very minor avenue for companies to come public and raise capital, which otherwise won't survive the scrutiny of the normal IPO process. However, in 2020, because of the tremendous amount of liquidity injected into the market all over the globe, a SPAC actually took the place of the IPO madness of the 2000s. And as a result, SPACs actually raised $83 billion in 2020. Now, in the first half of 2021, the pace even accelerated. SPACs raised over $100 billion. So in six months, the SPACs has already exceeded the whole year's capital raise in 2020. Currently, there are more than 430 SPACs, empty shell companies with nothing but cash, they are looking for private companies to merge with. We are still kind of in a frenzied state of the SPACs. It is such a force that you cannot ignore. We believe we better learn something about it and make sure we understand it. George, can you tell me, are SPACs regulated the same way IPOs are? I would just say that the whole process is shortened and the corners are cut and there is less a regulatory scrutiny on the SPACs than on the traditional IPO process. We think that it's kind of in a gray area, which has been explored by some very savvy financial sponsors, including some of the not-so-ready private companies to take advantage of the hot market to come public and to raise capital at the very high valuations, and without subjecting them to the normal scrutiny of the normal IPO process. What prompts a company interested in going public to take the SPAC route versus the traditional IPO? Generally speaking, the management claims that the SPAC routes offer some advantages. For example, they claim that the SPAC, it saves times because you only negotiate with the sponsors and perhaps his advisors. It takes a few months vis-a-vis the traditional IPO, which takes about six to 12 months to complete. 
that's reason number one. And reason number two is because it is a merger and it is not in a traditional sense of IPO. These companies under the current rule can project well into the future of their financial performance. So they can basically project whatever they want. And uh, number three reason is we believe they probably are not going to tell you that uh, they can get a much fancier valuation. Can you tell me more about the shortened time frame? How does that work? So instead of six to 12 months for traditional IPO, they said only takes a few months and therefore I can spend the time on my business. So sounds reasonable, but really isn't it? In a traditional IPO, the investment banks that underwrite the deals do sufficient amount of the due diligence before presenting the company to the public world. And they are doing it not only for investing uh, public, but also for their own reputation and ongoing business consideration. And they do not want to see a company that they just bring public has some unveiled scandals. But in the SPAC world, oftentimes two people are enough to bring a company public. And we believe the economics are such that these people make enough money after just one SPAC so that they do not have to worry about the reputation risk, let alone worrying about the future business. So that's on the underwriting side. We think because of the lack of the due diligence, a lot of the risk that should have been mentioned or brought to the attention of the investors oftentimes have been omitted. For example, there is a durable medical equipment company that went the SPAC route. It just turns out that the CEO was charged with tax fraud in 2014 to 2015 Denmark, but it was not disclosed when the company came public. And from your research, you believe that some SPACs may exaggerate their numbers. You have an example of one company? An electric vehicle company that actually had a exaggerated pre-order number that they cannot substantiate. So we think that oftentimes the companies just project extremely rosy pictures, but they cannot really substantiate that claim. This led to a subpoena from the SEC. And on the production side, the plant costs soared while full-scale production was delayed. As a result, the CEO and the CFO both resigned. We think that because of the lack of adequate disclosure or transparency, these companies didn't really go through the exercise of strengthening their internal control, their internal compliance, the disclosure requirements for public companies. And we believe these are the necessary exercises you have to go through in order for the company to become a responsible publicly traded company. Did this kind of activity draw more scrutiny for SPACs from the SEC? The SEC started to question the optimistic revenue projections used by startups. And in addition, SEC also looks into certain accounting issues, such as how to account for warrants. So these regulatory actions are having a cooling effect on the SPAC segment. And I think that the SEC is going to do more in this regard to protect the investors' best interest. George, I know that there have been cases at Alger where we've found some very good companies through SPACs. In your opinion, what other advantages do you see in SPACs? So one cannot say that there is nothing positive about SPAC, but relative to the companies going through the normal IPO process, 
we believe it is much less desirable. As a result, actually, we think that the spec world is a fertile ground looking for short ideas. We have an organized effort within Weatherby Capital of mining this field, looking for companies that are overly futuristic, have no product, oftentimes no revenue, and are not really making money. So we don't have to have all these ingredients in place for the short ideas to work. But if you have a good combination of these criteria, we believe that actually leads to pretty good potential hit ratio on the short side. George, final question. Do you think SPACs are here to stay? Yes, in different shape and forms. And, and I hope that the SEC is going to further study this field and putting more rules and regulations and to make sure that uh, there is adequate disclosures, adequate transparency, that at least it should be at par with that normal IPO process. As I said in the beginning, the frenzy in the SPAC market make it such a powerful force that we have to reckon with. I mean, are we going to join the wave or we are going to resist the wave? Or the third way would be we really understand what the wave is made of and what are the advantages we can explore to benefit our clients and what are the pitfalls we can explore to actually generate profits for our shareholders on the short side. George, thanks so much for joining me this afternoon. Thank you very much, uh, Alex, for bringing me to your podcast platform. And thanks for the opportunity. And thank you for listening. For more of our latest insights, please visit alger.com. The views expressed to the views of Fred Alger Management, LLC, FAM, and its affiliates as of July 2021. These views are subject to change at any time and may not represent the views of all portfolio management teams. These views should not be interpreted as guarantee of future performance in the markets, any security, or any funds managed by FAM. These views are not meant to provide investment advice and should not be considered a recommendation to purchase or sell securities. Holdings and sector allocations are subject to change. Risk disclosures. Investing in the stock market involves risks, including the potential loss of principal. Growth stocks may be more volatile than other stocks as their prices tend to be higher in relation to their company's earnings and may be more sensitive to market political and economic developments. Local, regional, or global events such as war, acts of terrorism, the spread of infectious illness such as COVID-19, or other public health issues, recessions, or other events could have a significant impact on investments. Short sales could increase market exposure, magnifying losses and increasing volatility. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. Short selling or selling short is a technique used by investors who try to profit from the falling price of a stock. It is the act of borrowing a security from a broker and selling it with the understanding that it must later be bought back and returned to the broker. In order to engage in a short sale, an arrangement is made with a broker to borrow the security being sold short. In order to close out its short position, the security will be replaced by purchasing the security at the price prevailing at the time of replacement. A loss will be incurred if the price of the security sold short has increased since the time of the short sale and may experience a gain if the price has decreased since the short sale. New issues or IPOs occur when shares of a company are issued for the first time on a stock exchange for public investment. Risks associated with purchasing a new issue include a lack of publicly available historical information about the company, lack of trading history, increased volatility, and no quarterly financial filings with the SEC to enable the level of in-depth fundamental research that can be conducted on a company that is already public. Important information for U.S. investors. 
This material must be accompanied by the most recent fund fact sheets if used in connection with the sale of mutual fund and ETF shares. Fred Alger & Company LLC serves as distributor of the Alger Mutual Funds. Important information for UK and EU investors. This material is directed at investment professionals and qualified investors as defined by MIFID FCA regulations. It is for information purposes only and has been prepared and is made available for the benefit of investors. This material does not constitute an offer or solicitation to any person in any jurisdiction in which it is not authorized or permitted or to anyone who would be an unlawful recipient and is only intended for use by original recipients and addressees. The original recipient is solely responsible for any actions and further distributing this material and should be satisfied in doing so that there is no breach of local legislation or regulation. Certain products may be subject to restrictions with regards to certain persons or in certain countries under national regulations applicable to such persons or countries. Alger Management Limited, Company House Number 8634056, domiciled at 78 Brook Street, London, W1K5EF, UK, is authorized and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority for the distribution of regulated financial products and services. FAM and or Weatherby Capital LLC U.S. Registered Investment Advisors serve as sub-portfolio manager to financial products distributed by Alger Management Limited. Alger Group Holdings LLC, parent company of FAM, and Alger Management Limited, FAM, and Fred Alger & Company LLC are not authorized persons for the purposes of the Financial Services and Markets Act 2000 of the United Kingdom, FSMA, and this material has not been approved by an authorized person for the purposes of Section 212B of the FSMA. Important information for investors in Israel. This material is provided in Israel only to investors of the type listed in the first schedule of the Securities Law, 1968, the Securities Law, and the Regulation of Investment Advice, Investment Marketing, and Investment Portfolio Management Law, 1995. The fund units will not be sold to investors who are not of the type listed in the first schedule of the Securities Law. Fred Alger & Company, LLC, 360 Park Avenue South, New York, New York, 1010, alger.com.